Morning, Rabbi Sai. Let's continue in the sugi of Bishul Baruch Hashem. We got a full week of discussing the Inyanim of Bishul. A lot, a lot to get to. We're also going to have to stop at one point, make a little bit of a break for Hilchas uh, Shavuos, obviously, to learn a shtikel Inyan of the Yoma, which I assume will start at the beginning of next week. But as is Hashem. Over this week, let's continue dialing a sugi of Bishul. Lady, you with us this morning? It's going to be Kavaldik. We're in the middle of the sugya. Today I want to finish this up, this part of the, uh, part of Bishon. And Mitzvah tomorrow I'd like to start Bishon Lacha Bishon, which is a, a beautiful sugya, which hopefully we'll get to, uh, start tomorrow. So we're in the middle of the sugya of Kali Bishon. Kali Bishon Biyasa. Meaning, things that get cooked, that are ultra sensitive, that get cooked even in a low darga degree of heat or utensil. Right? Dahainu, klisheni, or klisheshi, and beyond. So, until now, as we know, Generally, in order for something to be cooked, it has to be either in a clearition, whether it's on or off the fire, or something similar to that. And a clearition generally cannot cook, with the exception of things we mentioned last time, which were various spices that were crushed up. We spoke a little bit about a dover gush, and how a dover gush has got a din of a clearition, even in a clearition or clearishlishi. That's a solid item. I want to move on to some of the uh, different uh, spices and things that people put on food. Let's start, number one, with salt. Now, salt is a, a very interesting sugya. Because if you learn the Gemara in Shabbos, the Gemara has a whole sugya. What is the din of salt? Meaning, what, at what stage does salt get cooked? What degree of heat is necessary in order that salt gets cooked? Now, it's a machlokis in the Gemara. According to one notion, the salt will require a clearition, al ha'esh, to be cooked. That means if you put salt in a clearition that's not on the fire, it will not become cooked. It may dissolve, it may make your food tastier and saltier, but it's not called bishel, right? That's according to the first lotion, the Gemara. The second lotion is that it cooks so easy, salt is so easily cooked, that even if you put it in a bowl of soup, which is a klisheni, it can also get cooked. So there's two neshoinis in the Gemara. Again, you look at that Shabbos Membeza with base, very clear, two neshoinis in the Gemara. Lemaisa. The Rambam is quite clear that we paskin like the Lishla, Lishna Basra, right? That's according to most Rishonim, right? The Rosh, the Rif, and the Rambam, which obviously means that's how the Beis Yosef is going to paskin the Shulchan which he does in Shinyat Chesiv Tes, that we paskin Halacha Lemaisa very simply, that, that we say that salt is cookable. Is that a real word? We made it up. <laughs> now is. Salt is cookable even in, you see, Maskim, that one? It works. Yeah. The other understands. Who cares? There's a din that it has to be. So, klisheni. That means we pass in the Quran, the Marana Shulchan Aruch, that salt gets cooked even in a klisheni. Okay? So that means we have a problem now. Because a lot of people add salt to their chulant, to their chicken soup, to whatever. I'm not talking about a kegel or something like that, because chicken and meat, because that's what they do. It's called a din of a klishen. Right? What? It is a word, yeah? How did you? You, you, you remember that it was a word. <laughs> let's go. Okay, good, 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 good. So let's talk Lamaisa. There are two types of salt that we have in the Gantzah belt. There is salt that has been previously cooked, and there is salt that has not been previously cooked. Okay? Ralph, you with me? Very important halachas. Okay? goes like this. Ralph. Non-cooked salt. If you have non-cooked salt, what is the din? That means, me'ika hadin, according to the strict letter of the law, you could place it into a clevision, obviously that's not on the fire. Obelamaisa, you should put it only into a kli shlishi, 
because we go with this lishta basa, and therefore it cooks even in a klisheni. Therefore, again, according to the strict letter of the law, if it's non-cooked, you can put it into a klishen that's not on the fire, but the you should put it into a klishlishi. A klishlishi means the third keli that it's transferred to. If it's already been cooked, right, previously cooked salt, so mirkadin, once again, of course you can put it into a pot of uh, soup that was, that's off the fire, obviously, because it's previously cooked, but the you should put it into a klishenyi. So there is a major nafkamina lemaisa if salt is cooked or it's not cooked. So what, what what's the din? So you have to know what type of salt you're dealing with. Now I cannot answer every salt that's on the market and what it is and what it's not. But what I can tell you is, in the research that I've done, in America and pretty much England and Europe, most of the salt that you buy, regular normal table salt, is previously cooked. Which means, according to that, there's no problem putting it into a klisheni. That's for sure, according to all cheetahs. Whereas, in Eretz HaKodesh, in Eretz Yisrael, most of the salt is actually not cooked. It might have been baked, right, to heat it up, so you remove the moisture, but it's not cooked. And that's why, by the way, many people, so a lot of people bring things from America. Some people bring cheese, right? Some people bring cheese. Some people bring meat. Some people being tuna. Some people being, you know, I don't know, people being soap, all sorts of things. There are people that bring salt. Can you imagine a whole suitcase of salt? Why? Because they want to use ready-cooked, pre-cooked salt. And then they've got no problem sprinkling in their chicken soup without any shy of klishani, klishtishi, what it is, what it's not. Again, you know, it's a soul. Most of it has been baked but not cooked. Whereas in America, for sure, and most places in Europe, including England, have been previously cooked in that case. Now, this could happen, by the way, good morning. This could happen, um, we should never know. But the, um, you, the wife forgot to put salt into the chicken soup. When she made the chicken soup, she forgot. We should never know. It's a, it's a big problem. So the husband comes home from shul. The husband comes home from shul. And she says, Yankila, what do I do? The guests are about to come in. There's no salt in the chicken soup. I'm going to tell everybody I forgot to put it in. Please add your own salt. Nah, that's not nice. So I want to add the, the salt into the chicken soup in order to make sure that the chicken soup has salt before they, before the guests come and start having the chicken soup. So again, as we said, even though really and truly salt should be placed into a klishlish if it wasn't cooked and klishen if it was cooked, but in a case of a shasat chak, in a situation where you've got no other breira and a chanami, then you can put salt straight into the klishen as long as it's no longer on the fire, that means it's been taken out of the crockpot or, or off of the hot plate, or off of the blech, whatever it is, it's on the counter, you can sprinkle it in. What's that? If even non-cooked salt is, a, again, machoikas in the Gemara, and me'ik hadin, you could go with the first shita that held, it only gets cooked in the klimishan, al ha'ish. If it's off the ish, then you go, again, I wouldn't do it lechatchila, on a regular case. In a case where, like, it's going to really bother the wife, and shalom bias, add that word into the pzak, then everything becomes mot all of a sudden. Live, you had a kasha? No, not yet. Yeah. What do you mean? It's been cooked in the, in, in the pot. Well, I don't know what that means. It is salt, and therefore, and therefore, what doesn't get cooked? Everything cooks. Everything gets cooked. It's an uncooked uh, item which becomes cooked with hot liquid, like everything else. Yeah. Moving on, Rabbi Sai, talking about sugar. Most of our sugar is actually considered to be cooked during processing, and therefore, meikadin, you could put sugar into a klivishin, even if it's no longer on the fire. Duvi, are you with me? 
Kavaldi. Sweeteners. Most sweeteners, they're probably not very healthy. But the maisa, sweeteners, a lot of them are not cooked during processing. And therefore, if they're not cooked during processing, you have to be very, very careful uh, where they're placed into. It's impossible for me to tell you what is and what's not. You're going to have to check it with the local cashers authorities to know if it is or not. But you should assume that it's probably not cooked and therefore be careful where you place it into. Let me try to get to the thing before we do some questions. Baby milk powder formula. I'm not sure if you can find any more in the world anymore. But if you manage to find some baby formula... That most of them, by the way, are not previously cooked, which means you've got to be careful when you prepare the formula to make sure that the um, the water, the hot water that you're adding the formula to, is already a klishlishi, or it's under Yad Seleris boy, which is probably anyway more gishmak to do anyway, because you want to give it to the baby that way in that case. Instant soups. The Olim were asking about instant soups. What's the din if a person, Rahman Litlan, gets stranded on a desert island and he obviously wants to have chicken soup for Shabbos Kodesh and the only thing he's got is an instant soup? So then the halacha is that you can put it into a klishlishi, which means have a klishlishi of liquid, pour the ingredients, the powder, whatever it is, the, the pasta, the noodles that are hard, pour it into the klishlishi and you can make it in that way without any problem whatsoever. Let me move on, Rabbi Sai, to coffee and tea. We must finish the sugya of Kali Bishal today, so we can start tomorrow the brand new sugya of Bishal Acha Bishal and Bishal Acha Fia, which Beis Hashem will start tomorrow, Dovi. Yeah? So we'll start with coffee. Coffee has different processes. It's impossible for me to go through each idea again, each name and brand and manufacturer to discuss what is and what's not. But various coffees have different methods of being processed, and therefore the nafkamina is the gabi being cooked in that case. So let's go with case number one, Turkish coffee. Right, who knows what Turkish coffee is? Who knows what Turkish coffee is? Oh, that's right, very good. The answer is wrong, that's what they offer you, that's all they're going to give you. Turkish coffee is not cooked during the processing. It's slightly roasted. Now, if that's the case, I'm not going into the sugi right now, that Demetri Shem was starting tomorrow, which is very, very Negea. If it was previously roasted, um, but it's not fully roasted, so it's slightly roasted, so it's actually slightly different, then the problem is that I'm now doing a different process that wasn't done previously, which means, according to that, Turkish coffee is not allowed, according to most postkim, not even allowed to be put into a klishlishi because it's not really ever been cooked. And therefore, it's so sensitive. So the Yorcha Shulchan, something that's ground up into small grain, small granules, is so thin, it gets cooked so easily. Therefore, Turkish coffee cannot be made on Shabbos Kodesh, according to most postkim, even in a klishlishi. Regular coffee, and when I say regular coffee, I mean instant, regular, quick, normal coffee. That you take a spoon and you put it into hot water. So generally, the din of that is, it has twice. I called up um, different companies to find out how different companies do it. Now, obviously, they're not going to tell me. They refused, in fact, to tell me the exact procedure. I tried really hard to get it out from them, but I couldn't do it. I tried to get exactly the how they do it, the method, and the order how they do it, because it makes a big enough kamina how they do it. Okay? Generally, how it's done is, is they cook up the beans, and they're really cooked, and then it's called dry-freezed. Right, dry freeze means that you basically are baking it, so to speak. You know, and it's hot air that goes in, and that's basically, that has a din of afia, because then of baking, which means it's been cooked, and then it's been baked. So it's been cooked, so we're not so worried. The problem really is that they do the afia, the baking at the end, and therefore that by you putting it into your cup, you're doing a type of bishul, which is something which we're going to discuss in Mitzvah Shem starting tomorrow, changing the process of bishul that was originally done, bishul afia. But the maisa, it goes like this. According to most poiskim, 
Coffee can be made in a klisheni. Klisheni means you take your cup, you open up the, the, the faucet of the urn, the water goes into your cup, you can pour into there the granules. That's a klisheni. Not put the granules in, empty cup, and open up the faucet. That's eroimiklirishin, that for sure not. We're talking about having a cup of hot water from the urn, and pouring the granules on there, contrib shleim zalman, according to hartsfir, contrib nisim karelitz zatzal, you can make it in a klisheni. Lemaisa Reb Moshe writes clearly in Egros Moshe and Chelik Dalit Semenayin Dalit that you should be machme and make it in a klisheni for many different reasons that we're not going into. The Osnidru paskins that way, Rav Yashar zatzal paskin that way as well. Is the best thing is to make it in a klisheni, which means take the cup of water from the faucet of the ha'on, pour it into another empty cup. There you got your klisheni. I don't want to discuss the sugya bariches, but I do want to mention it because it's important. Does it make enough gemina if you put the granules in first and then the hot water, or you put the hot water and then the granules? I'm discussing now a klishlishi, meaning, of course, I'm not talking about putting the granules in the cup and then pouring from the urn. That for sure you can't do raf, right? That for sure not. I'm talking about once I've got it in the klishlishi or I'm going to put it in the klishlishi, can I have the granules in the first? Does it make a difference? As Arya says, no. Why? Because once you can't cook, you can't cook. What's the difference, right? Anybody says differently? What's that? You said yeah, but you don't know why. That's good. That's good. I guess there's a reason for the question. So this is a sugya which I don't really want to get into too much because it's a sugya that's the gay to Simon Shinchof, the Gabishita. Interesting. Uh, and it comes from a machlaikis brought in Shulchanach, and the end of Simon Shinchof, machlaikis the Rosh and the Maram, about snow. What is the halacha if there's snowing outside and the place is full of snow and the person needs to go to the bathroom? What's he meant to do? He needs to go to the bathroom. And he needs to go to the bathroom and the only place to go to the bathroom is on the snow. Right? We have to speak about these things. He needs to go on the snow. It's a shiloh. Is he allowed to go on the snow on Shabbos? What's the problem? The problem is the, the urine is warm and it actually melts the snow. So you're doing a mice of melting. Who had din, by the way? Who had din? The post can discuss. If, for example, you've got on your plate congealed fat, let's say from the cholent or something like that, it's congealed already. You know, something gets hard. And you take the hot water and you open it up. You pour on it so it should like sort of melt and get off and it should clean it. You can't do that. A mice of melting be your dime is asa. Shailov noilad. I don't want to go into the whole sugya now. Zuk the poiskim. Zuk the poiskim. And I discussed this both with Rabbi Falcon. They said it on Rabbi Zulobach over here now to Israel. And they both told me avada and avada. Many posts can hold this way also. You should pour the water in first and the granules in afterwards. Why? Because if the granules are in first, nothing to do with Bishal Azariah. Nothing to do with that. Posh the din of melting. When you got the granules in and you pour the hot water over the granules, so you are doing a mice of melting be your daim. And therefore, rather stay away from there. Now, again, halachically in Bishal, it doesn't make a difference. So why not do it this way, and your yotes are all the sheeters, and you don't have to... Again, is it okay if you put the granules in and then pour from a klisheni? Yes, it works. But if you want to avoid the problem of melting something be your daim, then it's kedai to put the granules in over the water, and that's not a maisa of melting be your daim. You're pouring it over, and it sort of melts in by itself. That's not a maisa be your daim in that case. Again, it's a huge sugya, which I want to get into. It's a good Maybe we'll discuss that at a different time. Moving on, I said to tea. Tea, as we know, tea is very, 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 very kali bishal. Kali bishal be loshan of the be'alocha, because a tea leaf is so sensitive, so thin, that it gets cooked with the very small amount of heat, and therefore no nafkamina, if it's in a tea bag, or it's not in a tea bag, tea is automatically something that's very, very sensitive. Now, Lemaisa, Rav Moshe says, 
that you can make a tea bag in a klishlishi because it's a mafurisha song. I don't think Ramosha said that, but if he was, he would have been proud of it. That there ain't no bishul in a klishlishi, and therefore, if that's the case, Ramosha held the tea bag in a klishlishi is fine. Now, it's interesting to note that many, and I spoke to many of them. His Talmidim, some of them didn't really go with that Mahalach. And it's not only just the Talmidim, some of the Gedolei posts came from the Yorch HaShulchan, Chazanish, Rishlein Zalman, Chachani, Rabbi Yashem, Rosh held that you should make, that you cannot make tea bag even in a Klishlishi. And the reason for that is, amongst many, is because tea leaf is so ultra-sensitive, it gets cooked in a Klishlishi. I don't need the Koyach of a Klishlishi, and a Klishlishi is better, because it gets cooked in a Klishlishi, and a Klishlishi, if it's Yatsu Lattice Boy, just like it does in a Klishlishi, and a Klishlishi. I don't need it to be in a Klishlishi, and a Klishlishi, to enact Bishel. So according to them, you cannot make a tea, even in a Klishlishi, in that case. And by the way, those that not, you know have a Minig, or have a Rob, that pastors like with Moshe, that they can make it in a Klishlishi, have to be worried about two major Shailas. Number one, Schita, Obviously, with the tea bag, there's a shayla skita, but the shayla which the olim are busy with, obviously, is what? Bayra. Obviously, shayla bayra. That's posh. A tea bag is mamish, a, a, a clean mamish that, that if a person wants to get skila, then posh, you take a tea bag and use a tea bag on shabbat. It's a yuchad for skila. What do you do? You take a big enough spoon. There are eights, avada. Avada, there are eights. But let's move on, Rabbi Sai. If a person wants to make tea essence, on Shabbos, before Shabbos, to prepare for Shabbos Kodesh. So there's a couple of ways of doing it. I don't want to go into all of the details at this moment, because again, it's quite long on how to do it. The best way to do it, in fact, Rabbi Zril Obach told me that in Rabbi Yashar's home, he told me Rabbi Yashar's home, they used to cook up all the coffee. Before Shabbos, they took the coffee, they put it in a pot of a bit of water, and they used to boil it up before Shabbos to make sure it was Mavushal, it was fully cooked before Shabbos. That's what Rabbi Zril told me, that in the house of Rabbi, of, of Rabbi Yashar, his shver, that's what they used to do. But I'll compare him with tea bags. The best thing to do, by the way, will be to put tea bags in a pot of water, put it on the fire, and bubble it up. Because then it's Mavushal Lagamri. Masha'enkain, if you pour it under the hot water, which is what most people do, they get two few tea bags, put it in a cup, pour hot water over it, that's Irui Miklirishan. Irui Miklirishan, if you remember, is only Mavushal how much? Ramon, you're there in Semakufe, Mavashukade Klipa. If it's Mavashukade Klipa, the Klipa is the tea bag. And therefore, below the tea bag, you haven't really cooked. So the real aid to what if you're going to make tea, uh, tea essence that most people do is they prepare it before showers by putting the tea bags into an empty pot and pouring boiling hot water from the urn onto the tea bags from a clavision. So the tea bags you remove, the remaining tea essence can only be placed into a klisheni of hot water. Not Iwomiklivishan. That means if you have that tea essence, make sure you don't pour it into a little cup of water and then pour hot water from the urn. That's Iwomiklivishan, not the tea essence that wasn't fully cooked. Then you have a problem. You understand? You're making more bishul. Rather, what you do is, people don't hop, is you take hot water that's already from the urn, that's a cliche, and in there you can put the tea essence. By the way, the Mishnah says something which I, unfortunately people are not knowing to do. I, in my house, Baruch Hashem, we do this. I'm sure many times the also do the same thing. I'm sure it's similar in the same way. You keep the tea essence warm. You put it on top of the urn, and you keep it still warm. And as soon as you keep it warm the whole time, that definitely helps the Gabi Bishop. Tomorrow, Rabbi we're going to start a very, very important sugya of Bishel Acha Bishel, Bishel Acha Fiat, talking about heating up liquids, heating up solids. Mitzvah tomorrow, we'll go to the sugya. Have a wonderful day.